my heart, my heart and what I sense the Spirit of God, His heart for us is that um, we're going to step into some unknown, some unknown territory. We're going to step into some unknown things. We're going to see some breakthroughs begin to happen in our own lives as we unlock um, some doors. And the key to, the, the key to some of these doors we're going to be talking about um, is actually the key of prayer and fasting together. Um, and we know that there, there, there is something, there's something supernatural about the combination of those two things. Jesus talks about that a little bit. We're going to look at some of that here today and over the next four weeks. Um, right now, I want to hand out something to you. Bill and Gilbert are going to be passing out some cards. Um, I believe I'll have enough. Get one in, in your hand, if you would. Take that, and we're going to, we're going to, I want to give you a challenge at the end of this message um, and a way to respond to this. As you're doing this, let me just kind of lay a quick, um, just some quick snapshots from God's word about fasting. Let me ask this, how many, how many of us have ever fasted before for like some kind of a, like a spiritual reason? I don't mean dieting. I don't mean just withholding food. Okay. <laughs> I don't mean starving yourself for, I'm fasting is sort of, is, is, is doing without denying ourselves, usually food for the purpose of, um, you know, usually for some kind of spiritual, spiritual purpose or spiritual end and goal. So I want us to kind of just get a, a quick snapshot from the word about this. It's all through, it's all through the Bible, going back to even, even to the Old Testament. We know that Moses, um, when, he, when God called him up onto the mountain to receive the law, we know that he was up there for 40 days and he didn't eat or drink. That was a supernatural fast. No food or drink for that period of time, you know. Um, we also know that Elijah, Elijah was one of the great prophets um, of the Old Testament and he he confronted, um, he confronted these false prophets of Baal up on Mount Carmel. You remember the whole like fire coming down from heaven and all of this? And Jezebel was the wicked queen and she was just so infuriated about this and she was after him and, 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 and Elijah was just on the run and for 40 days he's running from her. He's escaping her persecution and he's not eating during this time whatsoever. Um, we also know that Nehemiah fasted for a number of days in mourning when he heard about the desolation, when he heard about the destruction of Jerusalem. This is after the, God's people have been kicked out. They've been, they've, they've been invaded by Babylon and carried off into captivity. And, and Nehemiah is one of those of that generation. And the report comes back about how the whole city and the whole temple is in ruins. And he's just grieving, weeping, mourning. And he's fasting. He refuses to eat for a period of days in mourning. And you've heard the story of Esther too, right? Esther was one of, one of these who was sort of taken into captivity in the land of Persia. And Esther, uh, there's this incredible drama in her story that unfolds, but essentially the entire Jewish people, their, their, their identity, their survival as a people is under threat. And Esther knows this and she calls for a, a three-day fast during this desperate time to save God's people. And God intervenes and God uses her to save a nation. Um, in the New Testament, Jesus himself fasted for 40 days after his baptism. And before he begins his ministry, he goes into the wilderness, into the deserts of, uh, there to the east of Jerusalem, and he spends 40 days fasting and spending time with the Lord, being tempted by, uh, tempted by the enemy. 
And he also expected his disciples to, to fast as well. He gave them this, this teaching in Matthew chapter 6. He gives them some instructions about prayer. And he says, when you pray, and he told them how to pray. We've been walking through this um, on Wednesday nights in our prayer room. It's, it's beautiful to, to, to discover how does Jesus want us to pray. There's the expectation that we pray. And he says the same thing when you fast. And he gives some instructions about how to do it. He doesn't say if you fast. He says when, so he's, he's expecting that the, his followers, his disciples, believers are going to practice this as well. Um, and the early church also was birthed, of course we know that Acts chapter 2, the church was born out of a prayer meeting. Some of the most incredible things that God has done have been born out of prayer meetings. And even in the, uh, in the early church in Acts, in Acts chapter 8, uh, they're about to send out Paul and Barnabas. To be, to be missionaries and to take the gospel. And it says in Acts 13 that they're praying and fasting together before it sends them out. Even Paul himself spent a period of fasting after he had this radical encounter with the Lord on this road going to Damascus. He wasn't able to eat for a, for a period of days. Um, the early church, after, after the passing of the disciples in those early first several hundred years, um, a number of, of teachings and writings suggest that it was common practice in the early church to fast two days a week. And even all through history up until some of the great revivalists like, like John Wesley. John Wesley is the founder of the Methodist movement, the one who was largely responsible for this great awakening that swept through England. And he would call um, men and women to, to, to radical discipleship. And he would bring them in. He, they called them bands. He called them bands of you know, five or six men together, five or six women together. And they were sort of going to, you know, this is, your, this is your core group that you're going to stick with. And he would put these bands into larger classes and these classes into larger, what he called societies, you know. But it was his expectation that if you're part of this, the, the radical call of discipleship is to fast a couple days a week. And even up, up until the present day, to some of the great men and women of the faith, this has been their practice to do this. And many of you have discovered the power of prayer, praying and fasting. Um, in my own life, I, I began to, to, to sort of walk this out. Um, honestly, just in the last maybe 10, 10 or 15 years, I would do two or three, three-day fast often. I would do those a couple of times a year during some critical um, times of ministry where I had some critical decisions to make or I needed to break through in a situation um, with the church, I would go into three or four days for fasting and I would, just, I would begin to see breakthrough. And just some of, the most, some of the most powerful experiences in my life, not all of them, but many of them, have come following a season of fasting. So my, my heart and my desire is that, that we as a church will practice this not just as a um, not just as a ritual not just as a sort of a self-discipline that's not what I'm talking about but I want us to discover the power of combining prayer and fasting together I want us to emerge from this campaign just just being awestruck at what God has done and what I want for all of us is if we've not made fasting a part of our normal life, I would, what I, my heart is at the end of this, we continue to do this individually. That you emerge from these 28 days going, I see the power of this. Those of you that have not done it, I see the power of fasting. I'm going to do this one, one, one day a week now for the rest of my life. I'm going to do this two days a week for the rest of my life. So why fast? Because fasting, here, here's why. Fasting gives power to prayer, and I should have these up, Emma, if you can, if you can 
find these and pull these up. This should be there. Fasting gives power to prayer. So prayer works. We know that, right? We know that prayer is, it's, it's you know, uh, Oswald Chambers, he calls it, it, it is the work of the kingdom. Prayer does not equip us for greater works. Prayer is the greater work. And that, that's something I have to unlearn in my mind. You know, many of us sort of grew up in this, this, this church sort of mindset where we think that, that the work of the kingdom is all of these outside things. It's, it's, you know, going and doing evangelism on the street. It's good. I like that, right? Or serving the poor or proclaiming the word or, or doing worship or teaching Bible school or all, whatever these things are. Those are all good things. It's all the work of the kingdom. Um, but prayer is the, it's the primary thing that God's called us to do, to be in his presence, in communion with him. This vertical relationship is the most important thing. And it's out of, it's the overflow of this relationship that we do all, that we do all these outreach, that we minister to others. So if we can become a praying church, nothing can stand in our way. But if we're not a praying church, it doesn't matter what kind of programming we have. It doesn't matter how much money we have. It doesn't matter how big of a building we have. We won't, we won't bear fruit in that. Do we have enough? Anybody not get a card, raise your hand. If you did not get one, get a card. Okay, it's like the long ones, like a third of a, okay, everybody has one of those. Keep those here. I want to just kind of go over real quick three, um, what we call rewards of fasting. Um, three rewards of fasting. Why do we do, what, what, are, what are the benefits of this? What can we expect from this? Let me give you one of them. First of all, it, it sensitizes our hearts to receive from God. How many of us want to receive from God? Man, I do. I want all the good things that God has for me. I want to hear his voice. I want to, I want to, I want to be, you know, just, just be receiving his love and his promises and his provision. I want that in my life. That's what I'm made, that's what you're made for. You know, we're made to be recipients of God's grace and recipients of his favor. Psalm 84 says this, my soul longs, even faints for the courts of the Lord. That's what David writes. David knows that that, that his soul is hungry, hungry for God's presence. You ever just just feel, I don't know, maybe maybe you've not ever felt that way. Sometimes the the junk of the world gets in the way. We're gonna look at that here, number two. But you ever just have those moments where you're just, your, your inner person just longs for God, just longs for goodness, just longs for his presence. You know, I notice that often, my, my sense of well-being is often related to the weather. You know, there's a term for that, I think, but right, like if it's, if it's gray and rainy outside, boy, I just feel down. But if it's bright, the sun is out, there's an awesome Kentucky breeze rolling through the bluegrass. I roll my windows down if I'm driving, if my kids aren't in the car. I'm just so aware of God's presence. I'm just so aware of his goodness. It's like I feel like Psalm 84, like my soul just longs. God, my soul just longs for you, like David says. He says, my soul longs, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My flesh cries out for the living God. So fasting helps us. It sensitizes our hearts to receive from God. And the implication is our hearts are often desensitized right? Like we're kind of just out of the, we're out of the habit of that. Um, we're, we're not used to craving God, but there's something about fasting that pulls us back. Here's, here's a, another reward that's, that's very similar to that. It helps us detach from lesser things. It helps us detach from lesser things. Y'all are thinking food's not a lesser thing. 
Anybody feel that way? It's kind of important. Philippians 3.8 says, I consider all things worthless. This is Paul writing. I consider all things worthless compared to the surpassing worth of Jesus Christ. And Paul has just, in the previous verses, he's been unpacking all of his credentials as an apostle. All of these good things in his life. Talks about, um, you know, ooh, somebody's writing me, I should turn that off. He talks about, you know, how, 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 how he's been trained and how he's been, um, you know, just, he's, he's, he's from this sort of special family, this special calling uh, as an apostle. Like, like all these accolades that he has and all the things that he's done, you know. And Paul, has, he's, got a, he's got a right to talk about all that stuff. He says, but in, when I stop and think about it, all of that stuff is, is worthless if I don't have the presence of God. Those are all lesser things compared to knowing. And his, that word knowing is not just an intellectual knowing, that's an encountering kind of knowing. That's, a, that's, a, that's an intimate, being intimately aware of God. And Paul says, compared to, com, all of that stuff is just rubbish when I, compared to this intimate encounter with God. We're made for greater things. We're made for greater intimacy. And the, temp, the, the tendency is for all the lesser stuff in the world to kind of come in and just clutter our mind. Um, in special ops, we've been using the term bandwidth. You know, bandwidth is like we all have some of that bandwidth has to go towards our family, loving our wife, loving our husbands, loving our kids. Some of that bandwidth has to go towards providing for our family. You know, I've got a career, I've got a calling, I've been trained, that's what I'm supposed to do. You know, some of that bandwidth has to go towards self-care, you know, like taking care of my health and working out and exercising and recreating. And some of that goes towards ministry or church and some of that goes towards other relationships. And, and inevitably, what, what little bandwidth that we have is often crowded out, especially by the time we're adding in all of the stuff that we like, all of our hobbies, you know, fishing or, 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 or whatever, riding motorcycles or, you know, reading or who, you know, watching, watching TV and listening to stuff and more and more things just begin to crowd out the bandwidth of our lives. You know, I, I'm noticing that in my life, in my own life, in my own days, how, how quickly my day just gets filled up with stuff. My mind gets filled up with stuff. I just go from sunrise until after sunset, just on the go. And some of those are, some of those are really important things that I have to do. But to be honest... Some of those just aren't that essential. Some of those are just wasted things. They're not going to last. They're not going to be they're not going to mean anything. Left to my own devices, I'll binge watch a lot of documentaries on Netflix. You know, I love reading books. I love reading things. I'm watching Ken I've been watching Ken Burns documentary on jazz, right? It's a great documentary, but who the heck cares? It's jazz. And the final analysis is not going to really matter much. But that takes up my bandwidth. It kind of occupies my time. And the noise of the world begins to crowd out this deep awareness of the things of the Lord. And I find that my spiritual life begins to grow a little cold, a little tired, that my prayers begin to become a little more rote, a little more prepackaged. I find that I don't gravitate towards the presence of the Lord like I did before because that bandwidth is taking it up. And fasting has an incredible way of helping us detach from those lesser things. 
it's this act, it's this grace, but it's also an act of the will where we willfully say no to the most fundamental thing that we think we need, our stomach and our food, usually, and it just begins to help break off all of that stuff that occupies our bandwidth and it really clears all of that stuff out so that our heart and mind Corey Russell talks about it being a a runway. Fasting, like, it makes a runway in our heart for the presence of the Lord to come and land. It just moves all the junk out of the way and just allows a place for the Holy Spirit to come in and minister to us. Helps us detach from lesser things. It reminds us that we we are not ruled by our appetites. And I feel ruled by my appetites at times. feel that craving for food or dessert 10 o'clock at night I come in last night got a bowl of something it's like 10 30 makes like what are you eating I'm like this is a piece of coconut cream pie it's like this is good stuff and and I was like I've got to eat all of this in the next day because I don't get any in the next starting you know tomorrow she's like well you can freeze some of it I just kind of look at her like come on no that's not how that works I I, I can be ruled by my appetite can be ruled by these cravings that I have and fasting is a way to break that cycle to help us detach from lesser things here's the third thing is that it brings about weakness and dependency one of the first things that I began to notice about about fasting was that it's it wasn't about hunger it was about weakness I remember during sort of the first day or two of a fast I was hungry especially that first day right you know what I'm talking about like okay I'm just oh, it feels like everybody in the world was cooking something good or somebody would invite you to go out for a meal on that first day your kids are having bacon or something terrible like that and you're just starving but as, as I moved into that fast I began to realize okay I'm not hungry anymore I'm just flat out tired all the time I'm weak all the time by day three by day four just I was moving like a sloth you know I would want to come home after work and just go to bed all night you know didn't have a lot of capacity for you know engaging with people certainly didn't want to go out to to, you know hang out with anyone else you know I did good just to kind of help you know take care of my kids but it became about such profound weakness and it just limited everything. I couldn't, I didn't even, often I didn't even want to get into the word. I didn't even have the, didn't have the strength to read the word, you know? And there's something about fasting that brings us to that place of weakness that's a good place to be in because weakness breeds dependency. This is what 2 Corinthians 12 says. Paul, is, Paul again is writing, he's talking about how he has this, this thorn in the flea. He's got this affliction that he wants God to take away from him, you know? We don't know what it is. He calls it a thorn in the flea. He's like, God, take this away from me. And God doesn't do it. He asks him again, and God doesn't do it. And God says this to Paul. God says, Paul, listen to me. My grace is enough for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul goes on to write, he says, you know what, I realize that in this, that the weaker I become, says Paul, the stronger I become in the Lord. And that's, that's just the backwards nature of the kingdom. I don't, I don't know why God chose to do that, but he does. The, more, the, the weaker that we are, the more dependent that we are, 
then, then God just sort of says, that's, that's, that's exactly where I want to be. And fasting gets us to that place where we really don't have strength for much of anything except just to receive God's love. Get to a place where you're just tired. Like, God, I, I'm just too tired to do anything. I can't make things happen on my own. All I can really do is just take a breath and just rest in your presence, just to rest in your grace. And God says, that's exactly where I want you to be then. I want your strength to be diminished so that you're calling upon my strength now. And fasting brings about weakness and dependency. So I kind of want to pose a question here too. I want you to begin to think about the, the, the needs that you have in your own life. And on the back of that card is going to be a place where you're going to write some things that you want to see breakthrough for. Imagine a door. And imagine that we're all on this side of the door here. This is okay where we are. This is not a door of salvation. We're not lost on this side. We're not sinners on this side. We're not sort of the sub class of God's people we're in the kingdom but imagine if we discover this door and we go up and we say Lord look what's behind that door Lord says oh that's that's a door where there's some extra measure of power and provision and deliverance and presence And we say, God, hey, that sounds good, God. I want that. You know, we go up to it and we just sort of try it. Oh, well, it's locked. We go on our way. Maybe we come back to it at a later point and say, oh, God, you know what? I really would love to get on the other side of this door. I really would love to have more. I, God, I feel like it. You know, I, I just, there, there's something that I'm missing in my life. And God says, yep, it's behind. It's locked. How do we get to it? And it's like on, on, on this side of the door, it's like we've got spiritual hunger here, but we don't have that full satisfaction that is on the other side. You know what I'm saying? We've got like this desire for breakthrough, but we don't have the full breakthrough that's over there. We've got like this, this, this struggle, but we don't really have the full uh, deliverance like we want that's on the other side. We go up to the Lord and say, Lord, how, how, do we, how do I get this, God? How do I go? How do I go through this door? And God says, well, that's, that's available to you. There's a key to it, and that key is to pray and fast. And that fasting and that prayer is gonna unlock the door. And I'm thinking, I want that. I wanna find that key, and I wanna unlock it, and I wanna go through it. And I want that for you guys as well. So I'm gonna ask you for, to, to, to do some things here in the next few minutes. I want you to begin to think about um, the needs that you personally have, the areas of breakthrough that you need, the areas of growth that you want to see happen in your own life, in your family, in your business, in your school, in your finances, in your health, in your relationships, what you might want to see as a church or in our community. I want you to begin to get a vision 
for what's on the other side of that door? What does life look like when those kind of breakthroughs have happened? And I want to ask you this question. If you knew, if you knew that everything that you're writing down there, that the areas that you're listing of need, if you knew that all of those doors could be opened through prayer and fasting, if you knew that 12 months from now, you would see breakthrough in these areas if you unlock the door through prayer and fasting. How many of us would do it? Pick, 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 pick one example. Pick one example from there. Let's say that it's the salvation of a loved one. Let's pretend like it is. Let's pretend like it's a prodigal in your life that your heart is broken for. If you could look into the future and see that that prodigal would come home if you were to unlock the door through prayer and fasting, how many of you would commit to pray and fast for one day? Don't raise your hand. I'm asking. This is hypothetically. How many of us would, would pray and fast for 24 hours to have a prodigal come home? Man, I would do that. I think in my own life, I would do that. I, I can think of someone right now. Would we do it for two days? God, would I, would I do this for two days? Would I pray and fast for two days if I knew it would bring breakthrough? What about three days? Here's the thing. There's not a magic number. 28 days is not a magic number. And there's no magic guarantee that when we fast, everything that we write down happens. But I know that there is something about praying and fasting that gives supernatural power to our prayers. And I know that God wants to release some things in our church, but he will do that through this time of praying and fasting. So what's, here, here's what I'm gonna ask for in the next 28 days. I wanna ask for three commitments from you, if you're part of the King's Church family, if you consider this your home, if you want to join with us, this is what I'm asking for. Um, first of all, I'm asking for a commitment to some special times of corporate prayer, coming together for corporate prayer and worship. Sunday mornings is one of those. You're here, all right? You've already had to be here for the next four weeks after today on Sunday morning. I'm also asking that you come and you be a part of our prayer time on Wednesday as your, work, as, your, as your work allows. We've got an open prayer room from six to eight. Some of our folks are in classes, but we do have an open prayer room. And from uh, six to 7.30, we're in the prayer room. And from 7.30 to eight, all of our classes, all of our people come together here for 30 minutes of, of just corporate prayer. And it's powerful. God is just meeting us here in incredible ways, right? Those of you that have been here on Wednesday, it's awesome what God is doing. But I want you to commit. That's the first thing I want you to commit to is to be a part of our corporate worship and prayer for the next 28 days. Second thing is I want you to commit to daily personal prayer. For some of us, this is that we're already in the habit of doing this. For others, not so much. I want to lay a challenge before you to do it every day to spend time in prayer every day. And if you don't know how to do that, we've got some resources. We're gonna kind of help you begin to walk through that as well. We can put some things in your hands. 
Uh, even if it's a few minutes, just let's commit every day. I'm gonna pray. I wanna press in for breakthrough and pray. And the third thing we're asking for a commitment for is to some level of fasting. To some level of fasting. Let me give you some examples of some kinds of fast. And I, I wanna say this very clearly. There is not an expectation that all of our fasting look the same. In fact, it will not look the same. I am not calling you to a particular kind of fast. I'm not calling all of us to a 28-day total fast. I'm not even necessarily calling us to a food kind of fast, although that typically is, is what we do. But I'm calling you to some form of fasting for the next 28 days. So here's some examples of what that can look like. The first the first is, as I mentioned, a total fast. No food, only water. Let me say this. If you've not fasted before, if you've not developed this discipline in your life, don't do this first one. It's difficult to do if you've never fasted before at all. Unless God has just spoken to you from on high and it's been confirmed through three or four other people, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you cautiously, do not do this first one unless you've, unless you've done something like that before. I'm gonna encourage you though for some of these other ones, maybe a juice fast. A juice fast would be you know, liquids or smoothies or things like that. Um, some of us can, can, can do that. Um, a Daniel fast is vegetables and water um, only during that time. It comes from the book of Daniel. When Daniel and his friends arrived, they were part of that generation taken um, into exile in, in, in Babylon and Persia. Um, they were presented with all of this delicious food of the, of the foreign land that they were living in. And they didn't want to eat it. They just knew that God had called them to be set apart, called them to be different. So Daniel and his brothers and, and his friends, they, they, they consecrated themselves for to only eat vegetables and drink water. And that's what a Daniel fast is. Some of us are going to do a Daniel fast for these 28 days. Um, number four would be what we call a 23-hour fast. This is great to do this two or three times a week. A 23-hour fast means, for example, I would eat dinner tonight on schedule, you know, like I normally would, but then tomorrow on Monday, I would not eat breakfast. I would fast and pray. I would not eat lunch. I would fast and pray. But then I would eat dinner. I would break the fast on dinner on Monday night. So it's essentially fasting from two meals, breakfast and lunch. And this is a great thing to do two days a week. Like you could do this on Monday and maybe do this on Friday. So this is, this is a great thing just to build into your life on an ongoing basis. Um, another way, number five, would be just to fast a single meal each day during that particular week. Like, hey, I'm gonna fast Wednesday lunch every, every day during, um, or every week. Medical reasons may not be able to fast food and that's perfectly fine. There are other things that we can practice self-denial in that helps bring us to that place. We can say, you know what? I'm gonna turn off the television entirely for the month of March. I wanna turn off, I'm not gonna be on the internet for the, for the month of, um, you know, for the entire month of March. I wanna say no to, to this particular thing. The point is so much not the what. The point is, is, is denying of ourselves to get us into a place of dependency before the Lord. Amen. All right, I want to read a couple things to us. I want to, I want to close with this, and then we're going to move into our, our response time. Brian, come on up if you would, wherever you are, and um, let's get some worship going up here. Mark chapter 8. Um, 
Mark chapter 8, Jesus is talking about the way of the cross. This is the way, this is the way of the kingdom. If he calls anyone to be a disciple, it's a call to go to the cross. Verse 34 of Mark 8 says, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Deny ourselves. Say no to the things that we have a right to have. Say no to the things that are good, but not the great that God has for us. Deny ourselves of our own self-interest and self-determination. Take up our cross, take up that, that thing which puts us to death, that thing which puts an end to our own rights and follow Jesus. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. And self-denial, this, this is not the American way at all. This is contrary to our culture, you guys. You turn, on, you turn on the TV for any period of time, get on the internet for any period of time, and we're just bombarded with everything coming at us, you know, everything that we should buy. We need to buy this, you know, you need to, you need, you need to own, you deserve this, you deserve this new car, you deserve this, this new house that you've got. You deserve this new product. Buy me and just, we're on just more and more things that are, are assaulting our senses. And it's not the American way. And it's certainly not in most churches that way at all. Because we want what we want, we want it now. But imagine though, imagine a church that, 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 that says, God, look, we're going to, Lord, we're going to deny, we're going to say no. We're going to die to ourselves. We're going to deny ourselves. We're going to practice this. Everything that we want, everything that we have a right to, Lord, we're going to say no to this. We're going to crucify our flesh. This appetite that's inside of us, that's, we're craving more stuff. It's like this appetite that just never ends. This appetite, not just for food, but for the stuff of the world you know, for the comfort of the world, for the adoration of men, for the respect of men, for the leisurely, wealthy life. We have this appetite for these things. We're going to crucify that. We're going to say no to that. We're going to allow God then to fill us with himself, fill us with his own presence, with his own pleasure. I want you to... Um, I want you to take that card. I want you to flip it over on, on the back. There's a place where I want us to take a few minutes. You're gonna write out some things that you are needing. I want you to write those out. I want you to prayerfully consider the front as well, what you will commit to with your church family. Secret prayer partner is uh, if, if, if you're willing to pray for someone secretly and have them pray specifically for you and your needs, that's what a secret prayer partner is. If you fill that out, you'll be given a name um, in the next week of an individual in our church that uh, is, is needing prayer. You'll be given a list of some of the needs that they have. We ask that you pray for them daily. We'll ask that you uh, maybe once a week communicate with them somehow, probably not 
directly with email because that, that's not the point of it being a secret. So maybe uh, mail them a card anonymously, maybe deliver that to me or to one of our leaders and have us hand it off to them just to encourage them um, over the course of the next 28 days. As you're doing that, someone will be doing the same thing for you and lifting you up personally. That's why we need your information there on the back of that card. In a few minutes, we'll have a chance to come and receive communion. You'll have a, an opportunity to put your card in this basket and to take home um, one of these campaign books, 28 Days of Prayer. We've had these printed. It's got some, uh, just some, some overview of some of the things we've talked about, why corporate prayer, a list of reasons why corporate prayer makes a difference, some of the benefits of prayer. Um, we talk about why fasting, some tips for fasting. Um, I list some of these up here um, and some tips for that. It outlines our weekly prayer focus, what, what we're going to be teaching on in the next four weeks here on Sunday morning. Um, and it also has 28 daily devotions um, written by some of the leaders here at King Church. So each day you'll have a chance to kind of read through those, pray through those. Um, and we'll also be communicating via email and text and social media, some, some videos a few times a week just to keep encouraging us along the way. Again, there is, there is a grace for this. When we, when we make a commitment like this, there's a special grace that the Father just releases upon us. If you're afraid of failure, don't be afraid of failure. There'll be times when we, you know, we mess up. It's okay. We just, as Chuck says, hit delete, start over again. Get back up and we keep on marching. The Father's not watching to see if we fail. He's cheering us on. He's giving us extra grace and extra encouragement along the way. It will be difficult, especially those of us that are doing um, food fasts. That's why we do this together. There's power in doing it together. There's beauty in doing it together, to knowing that your brothers and sisters are walking this journey with you. We're going to be learning some of these things. We're going to be knocking on some specific doors in the next three weeks. The door of God's presence. We're going to be unlocking that door, walking through, seeing how do we, how do we have more of God's presence? What does that mean to encounter God? We're going to be knocking on the door of, of deliverance. How do we be free of some things that have been hindering us? And then the door of God's provision. How do we see his hand providing what we need? What can prayer and fasting do to provide those things? Philippians 3.17, put that up there if you would, Emma. Paul writes, he says this, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Wait till she pulls it up. She may be trying to find it there. Philippians 3, 3.17. There we go. Let me read it again. Join together. This is Paul writing to the church. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And, and just as you have us as a model, 
Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their God is their appetites. Their God is their craving for the things of the world. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. We're made for something different. We're made for something bigger. We're made for another world. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies. Y'all say lowly bodies. Come on. He's going to transform this so that they will be like his glorious body. He's going to transform. He's going to take our humility and our weakness and our brokenness and our hunger and he's going to transform it. He's going to make us strong. He's going to make us invincible. He's going to make us world changers because we're going low, because we're saying no to the things of the world and we're saying yes to him. Amen. All right, take a, take a few more seconds to finish filling that out. There's some pins in the pews in front of you. We're going to move into a time of worship here. Um, and I want to, I want to, my invitation is simply this. Um, we're going to also serve communion. I'll pull these off. During worship, we'll come down and just... As you're led, as you want to, as you're free, um, just come to the front, receive the elements. This is the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus broken and poured out for you. We say no and we take up our cross and we follow him. We follow him to the cross. We share in his death so that we can share in his life and his resurrection. There's a basket here. If you'll put your, your, your campaign commitment cards in this basket and then take a book with you um, as you go. There's a trash can here for your plastic cups also. If you need some t- uh, just some time to be with the Lord, we'll allow you to come and pray over to the sides here. Um, I'll be glad and pray with you and others. We'll have a couple other people just available to, to pray. If you've got a physical need, if you need um, anointing or healing or anything else, we'll pray for that as well. All right, let's stand up together. Brian, you got a song for us? Can we move into worship? All right. So, Father, we just bless your name today, Lord God. You're worth so much more than 28 days. Lord, you're worth an eternity of saying no to the world and saying yes to you. But Lord, we want to do this together. We want to do this fueled by grace, fueled by love. Lord, this is not an end to itself. This is, this is just a means to an end. The end is not being hungry and tired and weak. The end is not just starving ourselves. There's no point in that. The end is more of you, more of you, more strength in you more awareness of your presence, more power, Lord, for victory in our life, more provision, more trust, more love. So, Father, I just pray for those that will make this commitment today an awareness that you means even now you're beginning to 
to loose bonds, even as we make this commitment, Lord. I've had, I've had times of fasting where, Lord, I didn't even see anything during my times of fasting, but you were behind the scenes in the shadows working things out. So, Lord, we're not going to expect it to look a certain way, but we're going to know that when we go to our knees, you take up arms on our behalf. We know that. We're going to see it. We're going to testify about it. We're going to report about it. We're going to give you glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen.